Ephesians chapter 1, we'll start reading at verse 15. He says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Lord Jesus, and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So that ends chapter 1 there, and uh, uh, the, the main verses I want to kind of concentrate on there is uh, starting at verse 18 and reading on through uh, uh, verse 21. Uh, but if you go back to verse 18, it says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Uh, but uh, if you pay attention to verse 17 as well, and he says uh, that he's making mention of the church at Ephesus in his prayers, and this is what he's praying. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. And then he goes on to say that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. So uh, verse 18 is a continuation of the, of the prayer that he is mentioning in verse 17. But he's saying that the uh, that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, uh, folks. We we got to remember when we're reading this and when we're reading the rest of the the letters that Paul wrote that he is writing to these churches. He is writing to fellow believers in this. But he's still saying here that he prays that God will open their eyes of understanding. He'll enlighten their eyes of understanding. Uh, in other words, what I'm saying. Is these are uh, these are born again Christians. These are people that had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had heard of the death and the the burial and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior and they had believed these things when Paul or whomever had preached these things unto them so he was writing to fellow believers in Christ but he's saying I'm praying to God that he will enlighten your eyes that he'll enlighten your eyes to, uh, to understanding and he goes on to say uh, the things that he does in the following verses but he's praying that God enlightens their eyes that he opens these spiritual eyes so that they can see these things and he talks about the power of God and he goes on in that same verse to talk about the mighty power of God, the exceeding power of God. Folks, he's telling these people at Ephesus, at Ephesus, I'm praying that God opens your eyes that you can see his power not necessarily that you can have his power but that you can see his power. He's writing to fellow believers people that have been 
been resurrected from the dead, spiritually speaking, just as Paul had. Paul, when he was on that road to Damascus, he was a dead man that was walking to, to, to persecute the church of Jesus Christ, to ridicule them, to throw them in prison, and to possibly kill some of them. He was a dead man walking, and Jesus Christ, in his power and in his glory, shone light all around Paul. He saved Paul right there on that road. He blinded him, showed him what kind of state he was in. And folks, he saved Paul right in and there. That was the power of God. That was the resurrection. That was a picture of resurrection. Just like every saved, born again child of God is another picture of resurrection. Hallelujah. He's, he's praying that God opens their eyes to this. Enlightening their eyes. He says, the, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us for who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And he goes on to explain what that mighty power is that he is specifically speaking about here. Folks, I understand that God is all powerful. I understand that God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. I understand that he has power to do what he wants, when he wants, and he doesn't need my permission. He doesn't need your permission to do it. He is God. He is the eternal one. He is the ancient of days, and he needs not man's permission or man's okay or man's input to accomplish his will here in our lives, here on this earth, or in any other aspect that we can think of. It was God's power that split the Red Sea. It was God's power that caused the walls of Jericho to fall. It was God's power that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave. And that is what Paul wants the church in Ephesus to realize. Which he wrought in Christ. Again, speaking about the mighty power of God. Which he wrought in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Talking about this mighty power of almighty God. He's praying that God opens their eyes, that God enlightens them to this. He enlightens them to his power. Folks, uh, it's, it's, it's disturbing to me, and I hope that it is to you as well, as many churchgoers and as many professing Christians and as many uh, people that we, uh, that we more or less know to be born again. We walk around in defeat all the time. We walk around and we see others walking around and we sag our heads and we complain and we and we groan and we murmur we do all these things as if we are defeated but folks if we have the power of God the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead has got the same power to raise me from the dead one day that power is inside of me it's inside of you if you're saying why do we walk around like we're defeated when we are inhabited by the one who cannot and never has been defeated. We have no right to walk around in defeat. We have no right. We have no reason 
to walk around like we are defeated by the powers of darkness, by the powers of sin, by the, by the powers that infest this world, by the powers that are over this world. Hey, uh, Paul said himself, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. blood. We wrestle against the principalities. We wrestle against the wickedness. We re- wrestle against the darkness in this world. We wrestle against these things. We wrestle against spiritual things. But you know what gets most Christians in trouble? You know what makes us hang our heads down? You know what makes us walk around like that? More often than not, it's sin in our lives. It's sin in my life. Sin in your life. But hallelujah, praise God, and amen. I've got a merciful God. I've got a forgiving God that if I go to Him with that sin, I don't have to feel like I'm defeated. I don't have to feel like the demons are on my back. I don't have to feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. God can remove every bit of that. This is the power of God. The power of God and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we're talking about, folks. That power stretches so many spans. It stretches, I mean, literally, it stretches as far as the heavens are wide, as far as the ocean is deep, and as far as the sky is high. That's how powerful God is. There is no, there is no measurement. There is nothing. There are, I don't think there's words that can describe the power of God. But all Paul was saying here that he was praying for was that God opens the eyes of the church at Ephesus that they can see his power, that they can be Behold His power that they can understand His power not necessarily have His power. Hey, if you're born again, you've got the power of God inside of you. I'm not saying you can tumble walls. I'm not saying you can stop the storms on the water or an earthquake or anything else, but I'm saying that God is in you therefore the power is in you. And we, we tend to forget that. We forget that as Christians. No, one of one of the best thoughts I've had about this, and I've chewed on it for a while now. One of the best thoughts I've had about this whole sermon, this whole thought, this whole process, was that speaking of earthquakes and volcanoes and storms and such, God has power to stop all those things. God has stopped all those things. God stopped storms. We read about it in the Gospels. Jesus simply stepped out on the boat. He said, peace be still. And the wind and the waves listened to him. The, 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 the storm listened to him. There wasn't anything else it could do. Hey, he's the one that made the wind. He's the one that made those waves. He's the one that done everything. He's the one that made the moon that controls the waves. He's the one that done it all. Jesus Christ has power to do all of these things. Almighty God has power to do all these things. Uh, folks, even that wasn't, uh, isn't comparable to the power of God. Hey, we, we've, seen, we've seen the power of God in the creation of the world. God simply spoke and there it was. There was the earth. There was everything that God needed. Everything that God wanted and everything that God willed right there before Him to shape and to mold and to do with what He pleased. But even that does not compare to the power of God when Jesus Christ was killed, crucified when he was killed, buried when he resurrected on that third day, that was the greatest display of the power of God this earth has ever known 
and it'll never get any better than that. Not even in the rapture of the church. Not even then will the power of God be displayed any better than it was the day that Jesus Christ resurrected. That was the ultimate display of power. Why was Paul writing these things to the Ephesians? Why was he letting them know what, what he was praying and, and why he was praying? Folks, he was writing these things because obviously in the church there was com- some confusion mm-hmm. as to what the power of God entailed. Mm-hmm. Some people would say this, some people would say that, others would say this and that, others would say it's only half of this and two-thirds th- that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there, there was confusion within the church and Paul here was saying, I'm praying that he opened your eyes that you can see his power his true power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ but Paul goes on praise God he don't stop there he says not only did God have all power to resurrect the only begotten of the father he had all power to do that yes but it was the power of God that had caused Jesus Christ to ascend into the heavens it was the power of God that set him at the right end of glory it was the power of God that made him meet and made him intercessor for our sins, for yours and mine alike. All these things boil down to the power of God. Amen. That's what Paul wanted them to see. Yeah. Not, not power. Uh, I'm assuming, like I said, this is assuming, this is Spencer. <laughs> I'm assuming they were probably confusing some of these things with gifts of the Holy Ghost gifts of the Holy Spirit saying well I've got more power with God because I can do this I've got more power with God because I do that I've got more power with God because I preach well, I've got more power with God because I blah 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 I, you know and uh, it, it ain't no different now it ain't no different now 2,000 years later than what it would have been in any of those churches especially at the church at Corinth we won't even get into that that was a big problem that they had in the Corinthian church uh, but uh, Paul was wanting them to see hey it's not in your gifts uh, what did Paul tell the Corinthian church he said that the way he spoke in his presentation of the gospel was the demonstration of the Holy Spirit that was the demonstration of the power of God not in gifts that he exercise not in things that he done it was his speech and it was the gospel and he told the church at Rome he said I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it's the power of God unto salvation to all of us who believe first to the Jew then to the Greek hey that's the power of God the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God that's the power that we need in our lives we got a bunch of phonies out here in the world. Turn on your TV. Uh-huh. Listen to your radio. Oh, yeah. People say, well, I've got power to do this. I've got power to do that. I've got power to touch and heal. Now listen, I believe in the gift of healing. I do. It's, it's mentioned in the Bible. I believe in that gift. I do. But when these people exercise this so-called power and then months or years or maybe even decades later it's exposed what they really are what does that cause it causes the world it causes the unsaved world to mock it 
at God. It causes the unsaved world to mock at the gospel. It causes them to make fun of the gospel, to make fun of the people of God. It causes the, the unsaved world to do these things. And it causes the saved world to, to look back and say, well, I thought that he had power with God. What happened to that power? Hey, if he's living this way, if he's living that way, if he had that much sin in his life, how could he have possibly had that much power with God? He never had the resurrection power of God in his life. Hey, Satan is a mockery of the gifts of God. He will mock, he will He will fake those gifts just to make it believable that those people are of God. Amen. You look at the courts of Pharaoh in Moses' day. Yeah. You look how the rod was thrown down. It turned into a snake. Mm -hmm. the, the Egyptian magicians, they threw down their rods. They became snakes. Yeah. You look how many times that happened in the scriptures. How many times these things happened. You look at the little girl that followed Paul and, and his buddies around for a little while over in the book of Acts. And Paul finally turned around and rebuked her. Hey, she was telling the truth. She, yeah. she said, these men are here. They're here to tell us about Jesus. They're here to tell us about God. They're here to tell us these men are of the most high. They're legitimate. And Paul turned around and rebuked her. She might have had power to know things. Might have had power to know prophecy. But it was not the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Amen. That power. we got to be good. we got to have discernment, folks. We have got to have discernment. Yeah. And, and not, not only in, in picking and choosing who we believe and who we don't, but in what we exercise and what we don't. As far as those gifts of God go, hey, anybody can go to an altar. Anybody can cry a few tears of guilt. Anybody, anybody can, can quote unquote give their heart over to the Lord. But why is it that, that most of the people, 90% of the people that do that, you give them a year, you give them three years, you give them five years, they're right back out in the world doing the things they were doing before they went to that, wall, that altar. It's because they never received the power of God. They never received the resurrection power. They were dependent on the power that was within themselves. And that power is useless without God. We've got to take heed, folks. We have got to take heed what we believe and what we practice. Far above all principality and power. Still talking about Jesus. Still talking about the resurrection. Still talking about Jesus being seated at the right hand of God. <clears throat> Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. Folks, that is power. Amen. That is power. That's my Jesus that Paul's writing about there. He says above everything, above every bit of power that's here on earth. Hey, man would not have power at all if it weren't given to him by God. You read what Jesus told Pilate when Pilate said, you not understand I have the power to crucify you and I have the power to set you free. Jesus looked at him and he said, that would have no power at all if it weren't given thee from my father above. If it wasn't given you by my father you would be powerless. Amen. That tells me even the wicked rulers right. get their power from God. Mm -hmm. 
I don't care if you love our current president or hate him. He was ordained of God. I don't care if you like uh, Trump or not. He was ordained of God. I don't care if you liked Obama or not. He was ordained of God to be in that position for the time that he was. That power was ordained by God for them to be where they were when they were. Don't take my word for it. Read the last couple of chapters of the book of Romans if you don't believe me. All those people that are put in those places are there. It is ordained of God that they are there. And folks, there is nothing that we can do about that. God doesn't need our permission. God doesn't need our votes to put them in office. If God wants them there, they will be there. Period. And that's power. We the people. And I ain't trying to get political at all. We the people used to feel like we had power. That's dwindled a lot. We used to feel like the ballot box was a powerful thing. Say, well, if you can't convince them while they're in Washington, convince them right on out of Washington at the ballot box. Well, that ship don't really sell much no more, does it? That ship don't sell much anymore. But anyway, like I said, I ain't trying to get political. Everybody, I don't care if you're talking. If we're talking about the president, I don't care if we're talking about the Senate. I don't care if we're talking about the four hundred and some members of the House. I don't care if we're talking about the governor, all the way down to the mayor, all the way down to the community leader, whatever in the world that's supposed to be. Those people are in places of power because God ordained them to be in places of power. Period. God ordained people. Uh, uh, he ordained pagans and heathens over in the Old Testament to be in positions of power. He ordained Darius. He ordained uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He ordained Pharaoh to be where he was. He ordained every one of these people to be where they were. And he has all power to do that. It wouldn't have mattered how many Jews, how many other people had risen up against Pharaoh. God wanted Pharaoh there to bring in glory, to pronounce to the Egyptians who God was and to pronounce to the Israelites who their God was. God has a purpose in all those things. Whether we like it or not. God has a purpose in it. That is the power of God. And those things, that's just a few little tiny demonstrations of the power of God. Think about when you got saved. I don't know your personal experience. And y'all might know mine, you might not. But... Think about that. Think about the power of God that came in your life. That power of God that you could feel come in your body and kick every bit of that sin out. Think about that clean feeling that you had. Hey, the moment that I got saved, that's the cleanest I've ever been in my years of walking here in this life. I was almost sinless. Almost sinless there for just a moment. I was was almost absolutely perfect. But folks, I've never been perfect. Not even the moment that I got saved was I perfect but praise God I will be perfect one day by God's power and in God's way in God's time and in God's place and God will demonstrate his power on me like I never thought possible Amen. I will be made perfect right. I will be made perfect I will be made likened and fashioned unto the son of man praise God Jesus Christ He's far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. He's far above everybody, in other words. 
Y'all remember, y'all heard me quote it enough times there at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 28. He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Uh-huh. All power was given unto him in heaven and earth. There is none more powerful than Jesus Christ. There is no, none more powerful than that. Jesus Christ told him, I believe it was in John chapter 2, the Gospel of John chapter 2. He said, you tear down this, this temple and I'll build it back up in three days. He said, I will build up this temple in three days. I if you kill me, if you take the life out of this body, hey, and he knew that that was their plan. He knew that's why he was here to begin with. He said, if you tear down this temple, I will build it up again in three days' time. And that's precisely what he did. That was the power of God. Amen. And that's the same resurrection power yeah. that God uses to save souls. That's the same power he used to save me. He used to save you. It's the same power because it's the same God. And God does not change. Over in Malachi, he said, I am the Lord and I change not. Praise God that he don't. I'd hate to think that I was having to keep up with an all-knowing God. I'd hate to think that I was having to keep up with his daily plan if it was constantly changing. But we have his plan right here in his word. And this word does not change. I don't care what man does to it. I don't care what they add, what they take away, what they rip out, or what they erase. We cannot change the word of God, nor the will of God, nor the power of God. Amen. I thank God I've got his power in me. Yeah. I praise God for that. Now, <clears throat> I say there's a lot of folks out there, they try and demonstrate the power of God. They demonstrate it in, in miracles. And listen, I, I ain't saying miracles don't happen. But there's a slew of people out there, a slew of people that are just phonies. Mm-hmm. Playing out, they are phonies. Yeah. And they're saying, I have the power of God. Uh-huh. Watch me do this. Watch me do that. Watch me make this person's leg grow a half oh, an yeah. inch. Watch, watch me heal this person of blindness. Watch me heal this person of whatever, whatever uh, ailment it is that they're suffering from. Watch these things. Hey, folks, that is not a demonstration of the power of God. That, and if folks really do have the gifts of God, that is nothing more than, than exercising that gift that God has given us. But that is not a demonstration of the power of God. A demonstration of the power of God is presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a demonstration of the power of God is living a holy life in front of the people that we once hung out with, the people we used to drink with, the people we had, the people that we partied with, the people that knew us before we knew Jesus. That demonstrates the power of God in our lives. But we get, we we let things drag us down. Though. Yeah, we let things drag us down. I ain't saying it drags the power of God down. God's never lost any of His power, and never, nor will He lose any of His power. But. We let it drag us down. We let sin drag us down. We let despair drag us down. We let doubt drag us down. We let sickness drag us down. We let all these things drag us down. And the more it drags us down, the less we remember the power of God that is within us. The less we remember about that resurrection power. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Who hath put all things under his feet? God has put all things under the feet of Jesus Christ. God has put all things under the feet of Jesus Christ and has put all things under his feet and gave him. Who gave him? God gave him. 
God gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Folks, that's a powerful statement in and of itself right there, that filleth in everything, that filleth, <coughs> that filleth all in all. Jesus Christ fills all in all. Hey, we are the body of Jesus Christ. He is the head. Why is that? Because the head, the head is what commands the body what to do. The head is the one that tells me to take a step. The head's the one that tells me to reach out and grab something or to jump or to duck or whatever it is that I'm needing to do. It's my head that does it. My heart cannot tell me to do that. My kidneys can't tell me to do that. No other part of my body other than my head can tell me that. Jesus Christ is the head of His church. Jesus Christ is all in all. Jesus Christ is in everyone that is a member of His church. And it takes power and nothing more, nothing less, nothing else but the power of God to be able to do that. Amen. Let's not forget that. Yeah. Do not forget that. Oh, so I said uh, earlier, even the moment I got saved, I still wasn't perfect. Yeah. You, you flip over sometimes to Hebrews 11, you see all these people of great faith. You read about all these folks of great faith. Wonderful faith. We read about Abraham. We, we read about Sarah. We read about Moses. We read about David. We read about all kinds of people over there. We read, read about Noah. But none of them were perfect. Yeah. None of them were perfect. But they all experienced the power of God in their lives. You take David for instance. David, hey David David defeated a lion. He defeated a bear. He defeated the giant Goliath. Hey, David done wonderful things, but those were all demonstrations of the power of God. Those were demonstrations of his faith in God because God had proved himself to David. David trusted in God. David had seen the power of God demonstrated in his life. Why wouldn't he do it? But we all know what happened to David. We know how many of the commandments he broke. Hey, he committed adultery. He lusted after another man's wife. He committed murder. He done all kinds of things. He stole another man's wife. How many of the commandments did he break? But yet, he goes to God and seeks forgiveness and finds forgiveness in the power of God to be able to do that. Hallelujah. That's my God. Amen. He went to God. Mm-hmm. Even after everything that he had done. Yeah. Even after all those things, you read it over in the Psalms, David laments over his sin. It made him feel awful. Made him feel awful that he had sinned against a God that had done so much for him. But God, in all of his power, could have destroyed David. He could have destroyed David. But instead, God used his power to restore David. Yeah. To restore, that's what that's what David asked for in the song. He said, "Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation." In other words, God, I know I'm yours, and God, I know I've messed up. I've messed up bad, and I don't even feel like I'm saved anymore. But God, I'm asking you to restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, the joy of your salvation, not my own. I have no salvation of myself. My salvation comes from God, and that's another demonstration of the power of God. Only He has the power to save. Only He has the power to convict. Only He has the power to show us what we need, and only He has the power to do something about it, and to continually do something about it. In Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, hath put all things under His feet, given to be head over all things of the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him that filleth all in all. 
the fullness of him that fills all in all the fullness of Christ. He fills all in all. He fills me. He fills you. I've told you all more than once, I know, Jesus Christ, the power to do that is in the Holy Ghost. The ability, I should say, to do that is in the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ can uh, can, can be with you and be with me at the same time. He can be with me somewhere on the West Coast. He can be with you all over here on the East Coast. He can be with me in Antarctica while He's with you in Alaska. God can do these things through the Holy Ghost. And folks, that is a demonstration of the power of God. That's a demonstration of His wondrous works. That's a demonstration of something that only he can do that's why uh, that's why so many people and these other religions out there they get so confused as to how in the world somebody could be so devoted a christian in this side of the world and somebody uh, on the other side of the world could be just as devoted as they are hey it's because we're saved by the same god we're saved by the same blood saved by the same power we're led by the same spirit that's why because of the power of god our devotion should all be the same. Amen. God's demonstrated his power in my life by saving yeah. my soul. Paul wanted these Ephesians to see that the power of God was not necessarily in what they could do, but in what God had done through Jesus Christ. He wanted them to see that the power of God was demonstrated best and demonstrated, uh, demonstrated wholly in Jesus Christ and in his resurrection from the dead. Yeah. It was demonstrated most of all in the resurrection. That's why I said it don't matter what miracles happen. Folks, it don't, it don't matter <clears throat> if you look at Sodom and Gomorrah, so are the other cities of the plain that God destroyed. Hey, that was a demonstration of God's power. Yeah. Hey, absolutely. Hey, they, there wasn't but one that could rain down fire and brimstone from the heaven to do that. <clears throat> there you look over in uh, over in the Gospels. You're reading uh, uh, in the Gospels where when Jesus Christ died, we read that the veil in the temple was written in twain. We read that there was an earthquake. We read that the tombs of the saints of old were open. We read that they come out of the graves. It says they went unto certain people. Hey, can you imagine their conversation saying the power of God has released me from the grave. This is He. This is the One. This is Yeshua. This is Messiah that was promised. This is the one that was promised to bruise the head of the serpent. I believe that's why they were released to be a testimony. When when he was killed, when he was killed, those those bodies were released. They were released on faith. They were released on faith. Jesus hadn't been put in the earth at that point. They were released on the faith that they had way over in the Old Testament without a Jesus Christ. It was just a promise of Jesus yeah. Christ that they had. But they were saying, this is the one, the one that you just crucified. The one that just yelled out, it is finished. Yeah. The one that just let out his blood. This is the one. This is the one. They were released to be a testimony under that. Folks, we read about all kinds of imperfect people. Peter's one that always pops in our mind, being imperfect. But every one of them was imperfect. Mm-hmm. Peter, yeah, he denied the Lord. Even, even after the foreknowledge that Jesus Christ gave him, that he would, he still wound up doing it. He, he, he wound up denying the Lord. But folks, he's not the only imperfect one. I am and you are as well. And there's all kinds of examples of in scripture. We done use David. We done use Moses. Hey, we could use a slew of other people in there. There's a woman named Tamar over there in the book of Genesis. 
Hey, she wanted to have a baby. She married one boy. She couldn't conceive. God struck him down. She married another boy. She couldn't conceive with him. God struck him down. God struck down three of them. She dressed as a prostitute. Went to her father-in-law, Judah, tricked him into line with her and had two babies by him. Yes, that was wrong. Yes, it was wrong. Yes, it was sinful. Read Genesis 38. You see that whole account in there. I'll tell you why that happened, though. I'll tell you why that happened. And I'll tell you why it's in Genesis 37 or 38. Because in Genesis 37, you see Joseph and you see his brothers. You see Joseph go out to meet his brothers. You see his brothers hating Joseph. Oh, yeah. The 12 sons of Israel. The 12 sons of Jacob, and they had hate in their hearts. You saw this, and they they sold him off into slavery. They sold him off to abandoned merchantmen, and they took him down to Egypt. All that happened in Genesis 37. You saw the wickedness that had infiltrated God's people Mm -hmm. in Genesis 37. Genesis 38, you see Judah. Judah, now over in Genesis 49, you see Jacob make a promise to Judah. You see, Jacob say, the scepter shall never depart from you. The kingdom's promised to Judah. Who's Jesus Christ? He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. The scepter shall never depart from you, Judah, is what Jacob said way over in Genesis 49. But in Genesis 38, you see this woman, Tamar. And you see her marrying one brother after another. And one one brother, uh, he wouldn't conceive with her. It's not that he was unable to, but he wouldn't. God struck him dead. Yeah. God struck him dead because he would not conceive. Folks, that was <clears throat> that was a, a, a practice back then. It didn't become law till later on, but it was a common practice back then that if that if uh, uh, that if uh, uh, the man died, if a husband died, that the woman was to marry a brother to carry on the man who died, carry on his seed, right. to carry on the bloodline. Mm-hmm. But. Genesis 38, we find all these wicked things. Two babies were born. Two babies. One of those babies is a direct descendant of Jesus Christ. Direct. Directly in the lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Over a wicked act of a woman dressed up up as a prostitute to lay with her Mm father-in-law. Yes, it's sick. Yes, it's sinful. No, it wasn't perfect. But God used that. God used that. One of her babies became, was in the bloodline of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You look at Rahab. Rahab was far from perfect. Oh, Rahab yeah. wasn't even a Jew. Uh-huh. Rahab hanging out there in Jericho. We know what her profession was. The Bible makes it very plain. Oh, yeah. We all know her as Rahab the harlot. Yeah. Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the woman of the night. Whatever you want to call her. But she was also in the lineage of Jesus Christ. A Gentile nonetheless. A Gentile prostitute was in the very blood lineage of our Savior. Don't tell me God can't use that. Oh, don't yeah. tell me Rahab's in hell either. Yeah. Don't tell me that either. Hey, I've heard people say, I've heard that preach from pulpits. <laughs> I have. And because she was what she was, she's in hell. Hey, God, 
If that wasn't a demonstration of faith, what she did, she didn't have Jesus back then. She didn't have Jesus over in the book of Joshua. Hey, Joshua was a picture of Jesus Christ, but he wasn't Jesus. She didn't have Messiah, but she had heard of the God of the Israelites. She had heard how he split the Red Sea. She had heard how they got across Jordan in the worst part of the flood season. There was only one that could demonstrate power like that, and it had to be the one true God. Amen. And she had faith in that. Yeah, I fully expect to see Rahab in heaven. Fully expect that. There's going to be a lot of people surprised to see me there. There there will be. And there'll be people surprised to see you all there too. There will be. But I'm going. And it's by the power of God that I'm going. And that's the only reason I can go. Folks, we have got to keep our eyes open to that. We've got to continually pray that God opens your eyes to that. God keeps your eyes open to that. To the demonstration of his power and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and pray for discernment and anybody that's saying that the power of God is anything else. We hear it said all the time. We, we probably prayed it ourselves or said it ourselves. We say, I want the power of God in my life. Be sure you know what you're praying for and be sure you know what you're asking for before you pray that prayer. Because listen, the power of God, like I've done said, is immeasurable. It is immeasurable. But the greatest demonstration of it was in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God help us to never forget that. Because we can we can look at things that we do, even things that God aids us in doing, things that God guides us in doing, ways that God sends us. We can look at these things and we can get the big head about us and say, look at the power of God that I have exercised. Don't you forget and God help me to not forget where that power came from. It came from God. But the greatest will never be in me and it'll never be in you. The greatest was in Jesus Christ, not only in the resurrection, but also just the fact that God took him in his power and set him at his right hand there forever to be our king, to be our Lord, to be ruler. He set him over all principalities. He set him over all power. He set him over everything. Jesus has all the power. If you have any, it's because of Jesus. Right. God help us to not forget that. God bless you all.